1: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
3: Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. You feel me?
1: All right, welcome back to the Butting Heads podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I'm a writer for USA Today's Rams Wire. With me, as always, ramstalk.com managing editor, Johnny Gomez. Johnny, we're getting a little official here. I'm throwing in our titles, but hey, man, it's been a while since our last podcast.
3: Yeah, it's been been a good minute here on Rams Talk, but happy to be back. Usually, we open these
1: things. We talk about the last game, what we liked, what we didn't like. That game was like a week ago. So we're not going to talk about the Seahawks. I think everything that's said has been, everything that's needed to been said has been said. uh, And we'll talk about it a little more because in this episode, we're going to go through the confidence levels we have at every single position on the Rams roster, going from quarterback to safety, maybe even a little special teams. Uh, But figure that is a good segue since we are not going to be talking about the game. But uh, before we get into that, don't forget, like subscribe rate whatever wherever you get getting our podcast if you're on apple podcast please give us a five-star review you'll be entered to win an nfl.com nfl shop.com gift card uh send an email to Talk 1945 at gmail.com with a screenshot of your review to let derek know who's entering uh and i'm pretty sure he upped the value of the gift card it was 75 dollars but uh he didn't tell me anything so i have no idea yeah listen to the other shows to find that out but Uh, yeah, I mean, Johnny, before we get into confidence levels, I guess the game was a week ago, but you got any, anything that you think needs to be laid out there before we get into it?
3: Ooh, uh, just the only thing I really want to say is, uh, probably something that's already been mentioned, but I'll say it anyway. And that's, it's not time to panic just yet. Two losses in a row doesn't mean that. You have to hit the panic button at this moment. They were two tough teams, unfortunately. Well, okay, let let me take that back. There was one of them was the Bucks, and the other one was the Seattle Seahawks. So, one and a half. You know, one and a half. But is it time to hit the panic button just yet? No, not really. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you know when it's time to hit the panic button. But for now, the Rams are still a solid team. They really just barely lost the Seahawks game. I'm not worried at all. So that's that's my two cents on the matter. I don't know if you wanted to touch on that, Steve, but uh, if not, let's head into the topic.
1: Yeah, I pretty much echo everything you said. I think that if we don't lose that game to Tampa Bay, we don't even think twice about this loss of the Seahawks. Good game, good opponent, tough game. Uh, we're a missed field goal away from winning, even with the mistakes we made. And Greg Zerline, hits, he, he hits that kick more often than not. So, look, we're not going to – I was happy to see a mainly rational reaction on Twitter from Rams fans uh, because it really just was a game that, you know, went the other way. And it could have went our way, but uh, there's, there wasn't really anything to hang your head on there. That was a good game against a tough divisional opponent, and we came out on the wrong side. And I, I think uh, even though we lost, a lot of people will come out. On Rams players feeling a little more confident after that game even with the loss but yeah and if the Tampa Bay loss didn't happen look we'd be four and one and uh that was a game that we had a lot of things to be worried about but I I feel okay after the Seahawks game but let's let's get right into it we'll start at the top We're, Johnny we'll, so we'll go confidence levels one is the lowest 10 is the highest on every position on every positional group on the team we'll and By positional group, I guess I mean guys that are going to play for quarterback, which we're about to do. Like, we don't need to talk about Blake Bortles. We could just talk about Jared Goff because he's not playing. So uh, I will let you start on this one, Johnny. Give me your 1-10 to confidence level on Jared Goff and and our quarterback position.
3: You mean to tell me you don't want to talk about Sean Mannion?
1: (laughs) Oh, I do, actually, because I I went to the (laughs) – you threw me a fastball man i went to the vikings giants game uh my dad's a big vikings fan my mom got him tickets for his birthday so we had good seats behind the vikings sideline i got to watch the bench the whole game and uh every time the offense went onto the field sean manu would throw his helmet on and just sit on the sidelines and uh then when they came off the field he'd like take his helmet off grab his hat put it on I'm guessing he was doing it to listen to the play calls in his helmet, but, like, it still, it still made me laugh that, like, he had his helmet on like he was going to go in the game.
3: Well, in all fairness, I mean, we're talking about Kirk Cousins here. <laughs> we're,
1: we're talking about Sean <laughs> Mannion here too, buddy.
3: Uh, okay, fair enough. You got <laughs> me there. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to start Sean Mannion over Kirk Cousins, but, uh I mean, it's coming to the point where it might not be uh, such a bad idea.
1: I don't think we're there yet. and
3: Not there yet.
1: I don't love Cousins, but, but I mean, man, Mannion is not going to give you a better chance to win.
3: No. No, at this point, no. And uh, well, I'd love to talk about your favorite quarterback, Sean Mannion, uh, let's talk about Jared Goff. So my confidence level in Goff might be a little bit higher than Most people, especially if you go on like Twitter, uh, if you were to ask this question to some people on Twitter, they'd say that it's a one. But let's not get carried away here. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jared Goff has been perfect because that would be a straight-up lie. But um, I feel like with Jared Goff, he's been getting a lot of flack for a lot of things that aren't in his control. For example, the offensive line has been... Pretty much atrocious the entire season. There's only been like one or two games that I can really remember where they did a solid job.
1: We'll definitely and talk about
3: that later. Yeah, that's uh yeah, that's it. So um but to kind of wrap this up a little bit here, because I know we have a lot more positions to talk about. The Jared Goff, I feel like, is is gonna get better as the season rolls around. And I think he's going to adjust from you know, the lack of play from the offensive line. And my confidence level, I would say, is the is around the seven, 7 mark, I would say. I think that would be a fair thing to say because has he been perfect? Absolutely not. He's made his fair share of mistakes, and sometimes it's just downright upsetting, which is why people would overreact in this situation. But I think 7 is about where I am with him for now. You know, this could change as the season goes along, but I'm still relatively confident in Jared Goff. What are your thoughts uh, there, Steve?
1: So, t- today, my number is five and a half. It's a number that I expect to go up. Uh, mainly, like you said, you know, he's he's made some mistakes. I will say after the Tampa Bay game, this probably would have been a little lower, but he cleaned up the turnovers last week, uh, even though a lot of his previous turnovers weren't his fault. And he did have an interception in the last game, but. That went right off Gerald Everett's hands. I wouldn't blame that one on him. The other turnover we had in that game was a a rare Todd Gurley fumble, which almost never happens. But he's missing throws, man. And there, he missed a lot of just money touchdowns. Um, God, we've been playing in so long. Was it last week or was it the week before where he, I think it was the Tampa Bay game where he missed like two or three deep balls that should have been touchdowns. Last week, uh, maybe only missed one, maybe two, but... Uh, He still is missing some throws. Uh, Cooper Cup had that drop late in the game, but I didn't even think that was a great throw. It's just, I don't remember him missing throws like this last season. And part of that, you're right, is the offensive line. Uh, And part of his, you know, completion percentage is going to be the drops, the uncharacteristic drops that receivers have had. Uh, But you can't miss these throws, man. And if I'm, I'm basing my confidence level off of if we're in a playoff game, how good I feel about that position right now. If he's gonna keep missing throws like this, I'm I can't go higher than a six because big plays are a big reason why teams win games. I mean, you look at the Seattle game; uh, that DK Metcalf touchdown was definitely a big play that changed the game. I mean, even you know it wasn't wasn't on the Rams, but that Tyler Lockett touchdown, which was maybe the the most insane pass and catch I've seen in years uh, from a quarterback to wide receiver. you know, those big plays are plays that break the game open, and the Seahawks hit more of them in the last game. That was part of the reason why they won. We can't be missing on those, and it's it'll stall drives. It'll stop opportunities if the quarterback can't make the easy throws. And Koff makes the hard ones more often than not, so if he can just hit the easy ones more often, then this number is going to go way up because I think – He did look a lot better last week than he had in the previous weeks, and I think he's only going to get better as the season goes on. But yeah, today, it's a five and a half. Fair
3: enough, fair enough.
1: Let's get to running backs then. Uh, Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown are the guys that are playing. I mean, Daryl Henderson, as of today, is not really going to factor into this. This might feel a little high today, but I'm still going seven and a half here, just because I think you've seen enough from the running backs to realize that, like, it's not totally their fault. I think they are getting a little more hurt by the offensive line and just the overall offensive scheme and play calling than Goff is. But you've seen glimpses of Gurley and you've seen glimpses of Brown looking like damn good running backs this year. Uh, Gurley, he's finally started to get touchdown or red zone carries and he's converting on them, and he's looking damn good converting on a lot of these. He's His numbers are a lot lower than they've been in the past, but I think part of that is on the usage and the offensive line just being worse. I still, you know, if we're hitting the playoffs and we're giving Todd Gurley the ball, I still feel good about it. I don't feel like he's going to, you know, be a reason why we lose down the stretch in games because, you know, when... When the holes have been there, he he's hit him and I don't I think he looks a little less sharp than he did last year. Uh he's not cutting back and making cuts like he was, but you know, he still looks like one of the better running backs in the league when he has a chance to look like it. And I still am confident in this group, but I mean last year this probably would have been a nine and a half, ten. Uh so seven and a half hurts a little bit, but even that I feel like a lot of fans would be lower.
3: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, and I'm totally with you. If we were talking about this last year, I'm giving this a ten. Like, there's not even a question about it at this point. Last year, Todd Gurley is one of the better running backs in the league still, and I still think that Gurley is is an amazing running back. But you know, Sean McVay can try and downplay this all he wants, saying that there is no you know, snap count or snap limit on Todd Gurley. But I'm gonna call Bull on that because, you know, he didn't have a problem using Todd Gurley in the past few seasons. He didn't have a problem at all. And, and last all...
1: week though, last week he played almost the entire game. You gotta count factor that in.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think it was more of a testament to the loss in Tampa Bay because they didn't really use him at all, you know? Or at least yeah. not much anyway. No. So this is why like I I feel like even though it might not be as dramatic as people thought it was gonna be, I still think that it's fair to say that Todd Gurley isn't being used as much as we would have hoped he'd be used for. And again, I think this has a lot to do more with longevity of the season as well as his career more than it does to him actually being injured or due to arthritic problem. But either way, I still say when he's on the field, when he's uh, playing and he's, you know, contributing along with Malcolm Brown, these guys are solid players. It's just a matter of whether Sean McVay will use them or not. So for that reason, I'll give it uh, an 8. I think that's a fair assessment. And yeah, running back, there's a lot of problems on this team, but running back ain't one of them.
1: I agree. And I think it is important to note that these guys have been used as run block or pass blockers a lot because of how the offensive line has been. And They've been pretty damn good in in pass protection. Gurley has stepped up and made a lot of key blocks to to keep the guys off Goff. And that's that's a credit to him. And I think that's part of the reason why Daryl Henderson doesn't play at all is because uh, pass blocking for a running back, transitioning from college to the pro game, is probably the hardest transition for a running back to make. And, I mean, given the way the line's played, and we'll get to that soon – uh, I, Daryl Henderson will get crushed in pass protection, I feel like. And I think above all else, that and not taking away touches from the other two guys is why he's not really out there. I don't think it's really anything he's done, uh, and I, I don't think it's a big deal that he's not playing, but I think that's a huge factor that people are, are kind of missing here. And also just, I don't think Gurley really gets enough credit for that, and I want to give him credit for that. He's been an incredible, incredible pass blocker this year. All
3: right. Yeah i i definitely agree with you on the on the pass blocking uh on Gurley. you know that's that's a that's absolutely true i think that's something that even myself i don't really give him enough credit for but uh on to receivers
1: on to receivers but before we get to receivers let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor receivers all right Johnny uh I have a this is my only 10 this is my only 10 on the team right now uh whether Brandon Cooks is healthy or not uh truth be told I don't think it really matters we have three really really good wide receivers in Brandon Cooks Robert Woods and Cooper Cup uh Cooper Cup I he's I he might be leading the NFL in receiving yards right now I'm gonna look that up uh but and behind them we got Josh Reynolds who is a, a good receiver in his own right, a guy that we've both 180'd around, didn't love him at first, uh, but he's good in our book now, and I, I, yeah, this is a 10 for me. I have absolutely no concerns in this position. When push comes to shove, you can get these guys the ball, and they're going to make plays as long as Goff's getting them the, the ball in the right spot.
3: Yeah, it's it's a no-brainer. You, you have easily one of the deepest receiving cores in the league, and you know the resurgence of Cooper Cup is just—it's it, amazing. Like, I, I, I think if he can stay healthy for the rest of the season, this is easily a comeback player of the year candidate. I, I don't know what are the parameters for that exactly because he's still a young guy, but um, considering he just bounced back from a major injury, I think he deserves it. But, um, yeah, for for Josh Reynolds too to be. Your fourth guy, that's that's incredible. This guy could easily be a number two on a lot of teams. So, I'm with you, man. If if uh, if Cooks has to sit out for an injury, i'd i'd be uh, i'd be okay with that. Hopefully, he doesn't have to because I have a tough tough matchup on Saturday, but we'll see. Either way, yeah, ten, no doubt about it. Confident, absolutely confident at that position.
1: Cooper Cup's second in receptions, fourth in yards, first in targets by eight, uh, which is a little concerning considering who he's got around him. I I think people do tend at times to overrate these guys individually. Uh, like people always, people are trying to throw Robert Woods in the, like the top ten receivers, and uh, Cooper Cup is now people are mentioning him in, like top six, seven. I don't. I think they're a little bit overrated. By themselves, but as a unit, I mean, this might—I don't think it's crazy to say this is the strongest top-to-bottom receiving core in the NFL. Uh, even if the guy at the top isn't Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins or anybody like that. Uh, the other receivers, though, tight end—I'll uh, let you start here, Johnny. What do you What do you got for Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby?
3: Uh, so this one's a little bit tougher to answer because if we're going to go based off the season and what they've done really in terms of receiving uh, productivity, I feel like they've underperformed. I know, I know this past game, uh, you know, Gerald Everett stepped up and in some aspects, but you know, Tyler Higbee will get in a pass here and there. But I got to say, I'm a little bit disappointed, particularly with Everett's production on the receiving aspect, just because I was expecting so much more. And I, I don't know what the reason is. I know a lot of it has to do with using tight ends as blockers. And that's why Higby is the primary starter here. But still, you would think that, you know, especially going by the end of last season when. Sean McVay was kind of using Gerald Everett a little bit more. That you know Everett this season would you know be a little bit more in the spotlight, and he's really not. Am I that concerned about it though? Not necessarily, just because as I mentioned, one of the roles for the tight ends, particularly with Tyler Higbee, is that you know blocking is a a major. Is a major thing for for the tight end. So in that regard, you know, Tyler Higby has proven that he's an effective blocker. You know, at least when they need to bring him in, and when when the chips are down, they do uh, they can be relied upon as a receiver. Just for whatever reason, Jared Goff doesn't dish it off to them. So overall, I think I would give here probably a six and a half, seven, just because um, I feel like they have so much more potential. And um, I don't know why they're being underutilized other than the facts that I just mentioned. But I think they're a better unit than what we've seen so far.
1: Well, Johnny, luckily, recency bias is absolutely afloat for me right now. And, because, you know, you mentioned they haven't lived up their potential except for last week. But last week was last week. So because of that, I'm giving them an eight, uh, which is crazy because I have not been high on this core uh if you've listened to this podcast like at all uh especially Higby but look man I think the Everett game was a real is a real thing that's not like I don't know he's not gonna have 135 yards every week but I think we've been waiting for that breakout game we got it and I think they're gonna ride they're gonna ride Everett out and I think he's gonna continue to play a lot uh and look Goff I have I've mentioned it in articles and probably on the podcast before last year Based on how, like, the percentage of snaps that they were on the field that they got targeted, Gerald Everett led the team. I think he has been one of Goff's favorite targets over the years. He just hasn't been on the field enough to really uh, showcase that. Uh, he finally played 80% of the snaps on Thursday night, and look what happened. He had 135 yards. And what really sold me on Everett in that game was he had the fumble, he gets knocked down, he comes back out in or not a fumble, he he dropped a pass, got intercepted. It, what, crazy interception, by the way. Two of the best games, two of the best plays I've seen all season were by the Seahawks in that game. But Everett comes back in the next drive, makes a few huge plays, and does not lose one ounce of confidence. And that made me feel like this breakout game is going to be a legit thing, and that he's going to be a big factor in this offense moving forward. And Higby uh he's he's done everything we've asked uh, i i think i've no, noticed noticed him a little more this year than last year and if you look at pro football focus i know it's not a perfect stat but both of these guys are top 10 tight ends right now according to the website's grades tyler Higbee is number three he's number two in receiving grade uh obviously he's he's not catching as many or on as many passing downs as the guys around him like mark andrews George kittle Uh, Even Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, Jesus Christ, Austin Hooper, uh, who's leading the NFL in passing snaps for tight ends. Uh, But he's playing great. He's doing everything we're asking. And Everett, after that game, man, I feel great. He finally had his moment. Uh, I think that they played these guys together a decent amount in the last game. Both played over 50% of the snaps. I think we'll see that, especially if Cooks doesn't play this week. Uh but I feel good about this group man and that's not something I've really said ever. It, it I mean look at our look at our tight ends over the past few years. I don't remember the last time I felt good about the Rams tight ends. I don't know if I've ever felt good about the Rams tight ends since I've been alive. Ernie Conwell? <laughs> I mean was Ernie Conwell that good? No disrespect <laughs> to Ernie, but like I mean come on, if that's our that's what we're pointing to is Ernie Conwell. No disrespect whatsoever. He was pretty good, but, like, that's who we point to as our as our good tight end.
3: Well, when you think about some of the best tight ends in our history, Conwell is certainly is in the top five. He
1: might be the top one, <laughs> like, which is insane.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting when you really think about that.
1: <laughs> wow. All right, well. I got I got some words for this next group offensive line. Uh, I I'm gonna start here, Johnny. You'll probably hopefully you'll be a little more positive than me. Uh, I'm giving this group a two out of ten. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, who has been much worse than last year, is really the only guy I have any faith in today on this offensive line. Uh, Austin Blythe. He came back. He filled in for Jamil Demby. He didn't look very good. Uh, he's made mistakes. Rob Havenstein like forgot that you can't go, you can't jump before the ball gets snapped for some reason. Uh, he's getting penalized nonstop. He has been uh, pretty freaking terrible this year. Uh, he he's cost Jared Goff a couple huge fumbles uh, that you do not feel good about whatsoever. Uh, looking at like, his, his pro football focus grade, 52.8. Last year, he was an 84. So he's regressed crazy. Joe Noteboom, man, he's he hasn't been, like, the worst guard, I guess. But his grade is a 37.4. Uh, he is in the bottom five of guards. Important to note that the lowest eligible guard... Rated graded on pro football focus right now is jameel denby and joseph noteboom 68 overall austin Blythe is just ahead of him at 66 uh noteboom he he was being asked in the in the game uh after Todd really got a really nice pitch play or a really nice gain next play they pitch it to him he gets slobbered in the backfield for a oh, lots of five yards they show noteboom trying to pull and uh they're they're saying that it's a really tough block, and you shouldn't be asking a guy like Joseph NoBoom to do that. Yeah, well, you know what? We could ask Roger Saffold to do that last year. Uh, so that doesn't make you feel good. And then Johnny, we we have not we have not talked enough as Rams fans about what Brian Allen did in that football game last week. There was twenty seconds left. We were in field goal range, barely. And he doesn't snap the ball, and we get a delayed game. He doesn't even, like, snap it a second or two late when Goff is screaming at him. He straight up never snapped the ball on that play, and we lost five yards. And you know what? If if they didn't get it to Gerald Everett on the next play for, like, ten yards, and then Greg Zerline missed the field goal, or if Jared Goff got sacked, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. I've never seen that happen in the NFL. I don't think I ever will. And for a guy that's already been bad, uh, that was the most unbelievable thing I've seen. And I cannot believe people are just, like, brushing it off. Uh, I know everybody makes mistakes, but holy shit, that was terrible. I've never – I had never even seen that in Pop Warner and that or in high school in that situation. Uh, In the NFL, that actually happened. And I don't think he – I think he's been really bad. Uh, I don't see what anyone else sees in Brian Allen so far. I hope I get proved wrong later in the year. I do not see him being a starting center in the NFL. Uh, nope Boom is playing out of position. I'll give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt, but he hasn't been good. The right side of the offensive line just like stopped trying, or uh, the Monstars came with a football over the offseason and took their powers because they both suck. Uh, and Whitworth understandably is aging but because the other guys aren't are being bad uh him aging a little is noticed more i do not have any confidence that this unit is going to get better and maybe they will because maybe they really just need time to gel but there's a chance that two out of the five guys in this line aren't good at all and that affects the other three guys from doing their jobs properly
3: (laughs) is this the time where you take a breath breathe in breathe out
1: and i've written two articles for ramswire on how bad the offensive line is if you guys want to go read them uh you can find the link to my articles on my twitter profile
3: (laughs) there's the plug okay so after that uh long-winded explanation of how terrible our offensive line is uh i don't really have too much more to add to it other than that I have a little glimmer of hope more than uh, Steve. Keep in mind, I'm not saying that I am ultra confident in this group. Uh, yeah, that uh, it's just a slight glimmer more than what Steve said. He ranked 2 out of 10 in confidence level. For me, it's a slightly above 4 out of 10. Reason being is because here's where I kind of feel like the offensive line is going to improve a little bit. First off, with Austin Blythe in particular, yes, recently Austin Blythe has been, well, terrible. And I think part of the reason is because they rushed him back. I don't believe he was 100% quite yet. And I think, and the reason why I kind of think that way is just because I feel like at the start of the season, Austin Blythe did a solid job. And then once he got injured, he just kind of fell even backwards, more backwards. Now, keep in mind, I don't think Austin Blythe is, a, is a, a really top 10 guard or anything like that. No, that's complete bull. But I do think he's a solid contributor when he's 100% healthy. So I think as the season goes along and he you know gets back to a full 100%, hopefully we see it this week. Uh, I, I think that Austin Blythe should be better. Now, as for Whitworth, basically, Steve absolutely is correct. He's, he's getting older. He's regressing a little bit. And because everyone around him isn't playing that well, he looks even worse than he actually is. So I can't necessarily blame Whitworth for anything. As for Brian Allen and Joe Noteboom, they haven't had the best of beginnings, but I kind of figured this would happen because while they might have all the potential in the world and they might do well in practice and exhibition games, it nothing beats the real game. So I think as the season progresses, they too will improve, maybe not to the level we were hoping for, but I do think that they will improve as time goes on. Um, and he's hoping that that sooner rather than later, where I've completely lost hope is Rob Havenstein. And that that's kind of weird because you go back to last season and this guy was, you know, he may have not been like a pro bowler or anything like that, but this guy was a top notch player. Like I felt like he did a solid job at his spot, had his occasional mistakes here and there. But overall, he was a solid contributor. And then this year, I don't know who's in his jersey, but it ain't him. This guy, I don't know where he went, but we'd like to have him back because – or at least Jared Goff would like to have him back. Dude's been pressured and hit all year long thanks to him. So that to me is where the major downturn has happened – Ah, I don't. I don't even have any words for this anymore. So yeah, solid four out of ten. Hey. Well, I guess it's better than two.
1: Doubled me. You want to hear a real depressing stat?
3: Oh God, uh, lay it on me.
1: I did some digging for an article I wrote recently in 2016. Greg Robinson's overall grade as tackle on the Rams, uh, or was he playing tackle? Yeah, his overall grade was 59.9. Uh, From Pro Football Focus. That would be the second highest. On the Rams this season. Greg Robinson. In 2016. Did you watch him? Because he was fucking awful. And he had a better year. Than every offensive lineman on the Rams. Except for Andrew Whitworth. Is currently having right now.
3: Uh, Can someone pop open the tequila bottle for me? (laughs) Because damn.
1: And I'm. Uh, Rob Havenstein is on pace for more penalties than Greg Robinson had that season. And he's on pace for more sacks allowed than Greg Robinson had that season. And for reference, Robinson had 14 penalties and eight sacks allowed and Havenstein is on pace for a worse season. All right. Well, in the opposite of things that are horrible and depressing, if you want to brighten up your spirit. And remember the good old days about good offensive linemen, you should go check out Jim Hawk, our sponsor, and his book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Now, they didn't have grades for offensive linemen in the 50s on Pro Football Focus, but I'm guessing that John Hawks would have been higher than Jameel Demby's 27 or Joseph Noteboom's 37. Uh, but that's just me guessing. I'm guessing he didn't have 14 penalties and give up eight sacks. Uh, you're going to learn about a son story. Uh, it's it's a son story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers, guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Lux Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. You can find Hawk's book online at Team. Jesus, that that office of alliance segments got me thrown off. Hollywoodsteam.com. You can find this book in hardback, electronic form, and paperback at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can find the book on Twitter at Team. If you want to reach out to Jim there, if you read the book, uh, thank you. And if you have any questions, go ahead and ask him. You can also find this book through various other books out on the internet, guys. Johnny and I have both read it. It's a great book. Uh, it's a really insightful look at an era and a team uh, in the 1950s in a city of Los Angeles. And I really enjoyed it. I know Johnny did as well. Uh, and not only is it a good read for Rams fans, it's just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, Hollywood team, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Well worth your time. All right. I just did a long-winded rant there. So, Johnny, I'll let you start on the defensive line. Uh, let's break out defensive line and edge rushers. So we'll go. This group will be Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, I guess you throw on Smart and Morgan Fox as well.
3: So far, I've really enjoyed what I've seen from the defensive line this year. I think there's been a lot of people, you know, saying, well, they're not racking up the sacks. You know, it's been kind of a disappointing year for Aaron Donald. Not really. I mean, yes, of course, we'd love to see him get more statistics on there because stats seem to power the league. But in this case, this is a, a very good instance where stats don't exactly tell the entire story unless you go on like Pro, pro Football Focus or something and actually see everything they're doing. <laughs>
1: Well, so, if, if you go on Pro Football Focus, uh, it feels like the website was invented to just praise Aaron Donald because he's graded out as the best player in the league for, like, years. Like, every year he's number one, pretty much. Right now he's not; he's number two at his position.
3: Wow. Who's number one?
1: Uh, DJ Reader.
3: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Houston,
1: well, okay, so— eligible. Yeah. For the listeners that don't know.
3: <laughs> so, ultimately, the the defensive line, while they're not putting up the stats, they're putting the pressure there. It It's there. And you you could totally tell when it's happening because a lot of these teams are struggling against the pressure. It's just, you know, when you have a player like Russell Wilson, like last week, who can adapt on the run – it's a little harder to see and it's something if you're a rams fan you've seen countless times because uh russell wilson he he's just a great player and you know he knows how to get away from defenders unfortunately but
1: <laughs> my god man you know,
3: anybody yeah, else seriously.
1: under center for seattle in that game and we probably won by 30 uh, i mean he he's something
3: else yeah uh, i mean that That pass in the end zone. Okay, enough of Russell Wilson praise. (laughs) It's hard not to, though. But as far as Aaron Donald, Sebastian Joseph Day, who's actually done way better than I could have ever imagined coming into the season, and then Michael Brockers, who's somehow found, like, second life in him. He's certainly performing better than he did last year. And you know again statistics may not say it but doesn't tell the entire story so for me the confidence level moving forward at this point i would say is is a solid 9 i think only a 9 just because you know if it was a 10 i guess the statistics would be there but all things considered i think a 9 is a fair assessment
1: i actually gave him the same grade i gave him a 9 too i uh, i'm glad you bring up rockers because uh, I was kind of leading the charge on criticizing him because everybody was just throwing all the blame on Sue last year. And the truth was, Brockers was probably worse than Sue was last year. Uh, but he's he's had a great year. Uh, I think total offensive uh D-line and pass rushers. He might be our second-best defensive lineman this year. Uh, and Joseph Day, man, he's shown a lot. He hasn't been perfect. He's made some mistakes here and there, but uh, he has been great. I give it a 9 just because like, Donald is a, it's a 12, but, you know, I'm still not fully, fully ready to, like, proclaim Sebastian just today is the truth, but he's doing everything we needed him to do, Brockers has been great, uh, Tanzel and Morgan Fox have been fine as reserves, uh, <laughs> Greg Gaines had a, had a little funk. He, he did have a nice pass rush in the last game, but, uh, also made some mistakes, I, yeah, man, it's, it's a good bounce back year for the other guys that aren't Aaron Donald, and like you said, it's it feels like Donald's having a down year, and comparing it to last season, he's absolutely having a down year, and you're you're lying to yourself. You're saying he's not, but in general, like he's probably still the best defensive tackle in the league. Last year, he was just the best player in the league. This year, he's arguably the best player in the league. Uh, just because he's not getting those sacks. If you watch a game and you watch him every play, he's either getting, like, triple teamed or getting in the quarterback's face and not finishing the play. And that's fine. Uh, the the guy the guy is an absolute stud, and I'll give him a 9. Uh, second overall in pro football focus. I mean, he's basically their number one overall player in MVP every year. Uh, they love him, uh, so... Those stats aren't perfect, but we should say they are because they're perfect for Aaron, outside linebacker. I go seven and a half here. It might be a little little higher if Clay Fowler, or Clay Fowler, Clay Matthews didn't get injured. But overall, this group has done a great job pressuring the quarterback along with the defensive line. They should have more sacks, uh, which is a little disappointing as a whole. Uh, both units. Clay Matthews has been cleaning up sacks. I'd say about. Half of the sacks he's gotten were really him getting to the quarterback. The other ones were just him cleaning cleaning up the scraps from other guys. But I I, I do feel good about this group. Better than I better than I felt last year. Even with Clay out, Ebu I, I, I think has has been okay this year in his reserve role. Uh, I I'd much rather have Clay there right now, but I think Fowler and Ibukam can hold on the fort. Uh, and it tries Patrick, maybe he steps up, maybe Oboe Caronco finally, finally does something. Uh, he'll probably be called up to the active roster with that injury. Uh, but I mean, I'm kind of basing these rankings too in terms of when we get to the playoffs and Clay will be back and seven and a half feels right. You know, this is not going to be the group that's going to win us ball games, really, uh, but they've done enough to, to contribute to it and they're not going to be the reason we lose.
3: Yeah, I, I I agree with that completely. I think uh, this off outside linebacker position has been a little bit better than what I was expecting coming into the season, and um, my confidence level at this point is a little bit lower than what I would normally rank it, just because you know Clay's going to be out for a bit, you know, and and that kind of shocks me to say because coming into the season, I I kind of thought Clay Matthews would get the start, of course but I I was thinking Clay Matthews would have just like such a limited role, but he's actually been a key contributor throughout the season, you know, and that's, that's amazing. And you're right. They should have a lot more sacks than what we've seen, but, um, I've been impressed with Dante Fowler, you know, uh, Fowler has been all over the field, you know, uh, benefiting truly from the off, uh, for the defensive line. So, um, you know, happy to see Fowler, and hopefully we'll be able to retain him somehow. Uh, it's looking less and less likely every time he improves. And Ibukam, who who's done an okay job, I would say. Yeah, um, I I think uh, I think he'll do a solid job in replacing Clay, but you know you can't really replace Clay Matthews. But um, I'm really hoping to see something out of. Patrick just because Ntose Patrick I felt like was a really solid contributor in in uh, the preseason so I'm hoping to see something from this rookie um, the, I, I'm sure he won't get that many opportunities but I'm hoping to see a little bit more maybe this might be a jump start and it will, his future you know maybe he improves over time along with uh, Okoronkro. God, I can't. I don't even think I it, could say that. It's oh, a
1: cool. tough name.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I, I would give this a solid six. Uh, I think six is a fair rating, just because I think if Clay is with us, I would give this um, this unit a seven, just because um, I think they're solid, but they're not quite to the level we need them to be. But certainly solid enough to keep us in games.
1: Yeah, damn, six is a little harsh, but I I think it's fair, especially with Clay out. Inside linebacker, so this one's tough to grade because like, I, don't know, I gave it a six for inside just because like, I, like I don't know how to grade him. Man, we basically only play Corey Littleton, and then the other guy plays a little bit. I love Corey Littleton. He's don't doing exactly what we need to need him to do. Uh, is he one of the better inside linebackers in the NFL? I'm not sure, but he's ranked eighth. I'm PFF right now, uh, at the position, which which makes you feel good, and he gets the job done. Uh, I don't really feel confident in any other guys. Uh, Bryce Hager's injured. He he was doing grading out really well on pro football focus early on in the year, but he's taking a dip. And then I mean, Troy Reader was all right in the last game. You know, he he, he was fine, but and I don't know. I, I'm not like confident at and a team going to the playoffs that's starting Troy Reader outside li- or inside linebacker, but also these guys barely play like, uh, when Taylor Rapp was healthy, he was dominating the snap counts and he is pretty much exclusively playing third safety slash, you know, kind of Rover hybrid linebacker. So like, I just settle on a six, you know, I'm, I'm no, I'm not confident in Troy reader or Traven Howard, uh, and not really that confident in Bryce Hager either, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we're really going to be relying on them that much.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of with you just because I don't really consider when Taylor Rapp's, you know, in the lineup, I don't really consider Taylor Rapp a linebacker. I know he plays like a sort of pseudo uh, linebacker position, but let's be real. He's more of a safety and that's really his natural position anyway. So, um, Bryce Hager, as you mentioned, is injured. But even when he's there, am I that confident in Bryce Hager? Not really. Uh, in fact, I'd rather him not be there, just as like a a fill-in, you know, whenever needed. And the same thing with the rest of them. Troy Reeder, I felt, actually did above my expectations last week, which says a lot. Um,
1: <laughs> that had to be pretty yeah. low.
3: Uh, yeah, not very high at all. So Corey Littleton, though, I have to give the dude props because this guy, you know, as streaky as he is, because there are times where this guy seems like the one of the best inside linebackers in the game. And then he disappears. Like is Corey Littleton out there? Is he playing? Is he hurt? You know, that's the kind of reaction I have sometimes because he just disappears sometimes. So, um, while I do think Corey Littleton doesn't get as much praise as I think he should, I also don't think he's, you know, a top, you know, inside linebacker. I I certainly don't know if I'd give him as much praise as Pro Football Focus does. But then again, you know, who am I to argue with somebody that's, you know, placing Corey Littleton in a higher regard? So, (laughs) right. So for me, I I would give it a five out of ten. I think that's pretty fair, all things considered, because really it's just one inside linebacker.
1: Yeah. It's a weird position to grade. Uh we get to our secondary here, but before we do, let's give a shout out to our friends from the Big Heads Podcast Network, Voice from the Underground.
2: Hey guys, this is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite
4: podcast.
2: It's your boy, flavor, flavor, and full effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ.
3: What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from Voice from the Underground. I am the most handsome.
2: Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying, the Dutch.
3: You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lyft. (laughs)
2: Because they be fighting the power, talking about social issues,
1: politics, you know what I'm saying? And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Tandis all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping the fun with the sports, music, comics, and movies too.
3: Am I allowed to talk? I think, no, not right now. Shut up,
2: colonizer! (laughs) 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 You know what I'm saying? He on Twitter, at... VFU Podcast. So you can find them. You can find them. So check one, two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. Okay. What Flav was trying to say is, check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite
4: podcast network. Voice from the Underground.
2: All right,
1: Johnny, you didn't just hear that ad, but Flavor Flav just plugged a Big Heads podcast network and I'm a little confused, uh, but might have to go check it out because if if Flav likes it, maybe I do too.
3: <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I, I might have to listen to that too.
1: <laughs> hey, yeah, I might have to go check that out. Uh, and shout out to the Big Heads Podcast Network, of course. Cornerback, I, cornerback is weird to me, man. I, sometimes they pass the eye test in flying colors, and sometimes you're like, what "The hell's going on?" I. I went 7 out of 10. Uh, Their pro football focus grades confuse me even more. Marcus Peters is is ranked 9th. And then Akeem Talib is ranked 85th. Um, So I'm very confused. But uh, Talib, he's looked a step slower. Uh, He got beat on a wheel route by Rashad Penny like badly in that Seahawks game, which was very alarming. Uh, He should not be getting beat on passing routes by a backup running back who is not really like a receiving running back. I but I but like I'm at least still confident in this group. I don't know seven feels right. I, like I feel good. I don't feel great. Uh, Peters, yeah, he's fucked up a little bit, but I love the man. And I generally do think that he's he's done well in his role when Tlaib is out there. Uh, and I don't think we need to trade Peters and nine first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. If we could get go get him, sure. You go get them, but uh, don't mortgage the farm. Uh, I I think this group is going to be okay.
3: Yeah, I'm a little confused as to why. I think think the two recent losses has been the key contributing factors as to why people have lost faith in the secondary, particularly at cornerback. And for good reason. I mean, especially when you go back to – the the Tampa Bay game they just wow they they got beat by so many players that game Uh, and then going back to this game against Seattle as you mentioned the penny situation with the keep to leave you know to leave has lost a step there I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that he hasn't but I also think he's still a solid contributor just maybe not as good as he's been in the past years even. Going back to last year, I feel like he was a much better cornerback than he um, – last year than he is this year. Marcus Peters is always going to have the risk-reward kind of thing. You know, you're you're always going to have that because that's the type of cornerback he is. He's an all-or-nothing. And this is why you have a shutdown corner like Talib on the other side because he balances it out. And we've kind of discussed this in the past. So I can overlook some of the things that Marcus Peters has allowed just because, again, this this is exactly who we knew Marcus Peters was. And hopefully in the future we can have you know somebody else alongside him to ba- continue to balance that because I'm starting to think this might be Tlaib's last year uh, with the Rams, maybe in the NFL. But overall, I still think it's a solid unit. Nicole Roby Coleman, I feel like, has his moments where he shines and moments where he doesn't. Um, And ultimately, I still think this is a solid unit. So for me, I think this is a solid seven still, like you. I think uh, anything lower would seem a little unfair. And anything higher, I think you're just fanboying. Because, you know, we both mentioned that This is a team that has struggled here and there, but it's also a team that can be very dangerous. And I think, for the most part, they've shown that they can still be that dangerous secondary. And only time will tell, you know, whether or not this unit's for real or not. Good Testament will be the Sunday, you know, against the 49ers. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely
1: going to be a test. Nick Roby Coleman is twenty six at position on pff so not bad not bad for him uh safeties i'm going to nine here and i i have a little pass coverage concerns with with the group but man these guys are both studs eric Weddle is you know he's everything we we wanted when we signed him john johnson i think continues to be like people love to throw out how a ton of players on the rams are underrated i think john johnson's the only player that's genuinely underrated by uh non-rams fans because he's a stud he's gonna be a guy that we're gonna have to pay soon and i really really hope they just pony up and pay him uh i love this group man i i don't have a lot really a lot to say here at all and you factor in taylor Rapp. uh he he's he's been been solid as as a rookie coming into the fold and And when push comes to shove, these are these are guys that I want on our side and I'm happy to have them.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm with you that I feel like the safeties are a little bit on the underrated side, particularly with John Johnson. I feel like Eric Weddle has lost a little bit of a step in terms of his speed. I think that's one of the reasons why his pass coverage skills are not quite as sharp as they used to be, but overall he's still one of the guys I mean just his leadership alone I feel like is a value to the defense and I think evidence of that was when he went out with that injury you know after getting that massive like hit to the helmet earlier this season Um, you know it it was obvious that that the defense missed their leader but I think I think that Eric Weddle is kind of the spark that the Rams needed, and John Johnson he he's he's definitely one of the better safeties in the league, in my opinion. And I, I don't think the his play at all has you know deterred my opinion at all. So I think between Weddle and Johnson, I can't help but give him a solid eight. I think nine would be a little excessive just because that would be like almost perfect. They haven't been almost perfect, but, um, there's still been like a really solid, uh, secondary and probably been one of the more competent groups on the secondary, if not the most. So yeah, I, I have to, I have to give it up for the safeties. I think eight's a really fair grade for them.
1: Yeah, I think so too. um, Special teams, I, I will do them all as a whole, I guess. I'll give them a 9 just because like they'd be a 10 if JoJo Natson wasn't factored in. So I'll have a down to a 9. Uh, JoJo scares me a little, but I, I'm still competent overall.
3: Yeah, as far as the special teams go, uh, yeah, 9 I, I would say is fair. I might have an unpopular opinion here, though. That's and true. one of the reasons why I I think at I don't have it at nine point five is because Johnny Hecker has not been you know the the perfect punter that we've seen. Ooh. I don't know what it is. I know I know. Hold on, hear me out before the torches come out. Now I'm not sitting here and telling you that he is a he's been terrible because that would be stupid. No, he hasn't been terrible. But he hasn't been the perfect punter we have been seeing. Like, I've been noticing in a couple of games that he has punted off the side of his foot and it hasn't really gone the way he has, you know, wanted it. He hasn't been able to get it to within, like, the 10 like he has been in so many years. I'm not really sure what the problem is or if it's just been an unlucky few games, but... I don't know, like it's it's really weird seeing like the type of production that Hecker's had. And, and again, not saying that he's been terrible because again, he's still a fine punter, just not Johnny Hecker good. So I, I'm not saying that I'm going to drop my confidence level that much, just maybe half a um, half a, I guess, percentage point because I would say 95 because I think uh, Zerloin, you know, even with that missed field goal, he, I'm still confident in the guy. You know, Jojo Natson is Jojo Natson. He's basically a filler at this point. And hopefully he, I mean, he hasn't done bad either, really. Just I, I always kind of shudder every time he, you know, takes the ball out. <laughs> I can't I can't help it I just got you got to clench a little bit every time you see him
1: yeah I don't really even know what it is but like you get a little scared uh I mean look you're not wrong on Hecker he he absolutely has not looked as sharp this year I will give him the benefit of the doubt as I give Greg Zerline even though he missed that field goal uh because they've proven that they they've earned the benefit of the doubt but you got to be a little concerned there a little a lit very very little um we've been going for a while so i don't want to spend too much time here at the end but johnny we're playing the undefeated first place in the division san francisco 49ers uh hit me with your quick hit on the 49ers and a prediction for this game
3: this is gonna be a very tough game for the rams to win Luckily, it's at home, and I'm going to try my damnedest to get tickets for that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go, but here's hoping. But anyway, the 49ers, I think defense alone is what kind of scares me. I think um, I- I'm referring to their defense anyway. As far as offensively, I think the Rams could contain them if they're smart, if you know they don't take any unnecessary risk. And if at the same time don't play too softly, I think that this is a team that they could potentially win. Um, it all just boils down to what offensive line shows up because if it's the terrible offensive line, we've seen the past couple of weeks, it's going to be really tough on Jared Goff. You know, the, the defense on, the, the San Francisco 49ers is just absolutely insane. And we saw Baker Mayfield just get absolutely dismantled against this defense. So to me, what's going to be the biggest difference maker is to see if the offense can become balanced and can actually move and drive the ball. No careless turnovers, no stupid penalties. And I think this is a very winnable game. So on that note, because it's at home, I'm actually reversing my decision I made earlier this season. I actually had a loss, and I'm going to say that the Rams pull away with the win here, and I'm going to say it's going to be a very close 34-28 to 28 victory, Los Angeles Rams.
1: The, the 49ers did exactly what I thought we were going to do to Cleveland. Uh, so that kind of scares me a little. Yeah, you look at their their schedule, uh, none of these teams they played are that good, but like at the same time, we lost to Tampa Bay, we barely beat Cleveland, so you'd be a fool if you'd say that this sporting honors team isn't a good team. Uh, are they a great team? If they beat us, probably, yeah, but uh, I, I'm i still confident it is at home, I think I actually think we went 31-20, to 20, uh, Mainly because I think this is a game that we need to win more than they do. Uh, Even though, you know, it would kind of settle the, well, the 49ers are legit now things if they beat us. But you look at their schedule, man. Redskins, Panthers, Cardinals after this game. uh, I'm sure they're going to want to win this game badly, but I think we need it a little more. And I think our players realize that. And yeah, (laughs) the offensive line certainly, certainly concerns me here. If they could give York off any protection, I think we walk away with a victory here, thirty-one twenty, and I, I I feel good about our chances in this game. Even though uh, the 49ers have certainly earned my respect. All righty, well that's a, that's another episode. Uh, <laughs> any any anything before we head off?
3: Take the blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i just was thinking about the matrix i don't know why and i just i had to go with it
1: ben simmons hit a three in the preseason tonight so i'm happy uh, <laughs> all right guys don't forget like our podcast subscribe wherever you're getting it if we're not somewhere you're getting it let us know we'll get there follow me on twitter at steve Ribeiro. follow johnny at johnny five follow rams talk at talk rams for johnny this Steve, we'll talk to you guys Tell next week Tell Sean
3: Payton, keep talking that we mm-hmm. we gonna see him soon You feel me?